Hey, welcome to the Straight Sports Podcast. We're your host, Joshua and Tushar. In this podcast, we give our opinions on our favorite sports, which are basketball, soccer, and wrestling. So let's dive into the topics. Topic number one. Today, we will be discussing part two of our three-part topic in which we grade the things done by teams in free agency, A through F. Today, we will cover teams between the 10th and the 6th seed. Let's start in the Eastern Conference. Number 10, the Charlotte Hornets. I give them an A. I like the youth movement. I like who they drafted. Book Knight, Kai Jones, JT Thor. I think they're good lob threats. I like the way they're progressing. I feel like they could actually contend, not contend, but get to a playoff spot this year, you know? Like, I like the way this team is going. I feel like the coach is doing well. They got LaMelo. He'll be a good leader for this team at the point guard position. I think they also signed Leandro Ball, if I'm correct. I think it's like a summer league. Day, I, right? I think he might actually be on the roster, but I like it. I gave a little less grade. I gave them an A-. minus. I think the additions of Kelly Oubre was a big addition, adding another, you know, a, a guy who can score the basketball. With Gordon Hayward, when healthy, he's an all-star. LaMelo Ball, your starting point guard. They did lose Devontae Graham, but I feel like LaMelo Ball is the, the person to go to continue to elevate your franchise. I think Devontae Graham got a great opportunity in, in New Orleans uh, to be the starting point guard. But re-signing Terry Rozier to an extension. I like the additions. They got Mason Plumlee, Ish Smith also. It's an A minus. Think they're heading in the right direction for youth movement, and they're going to be a tough team to contend in the East. Yeah. Number nine, the Indiana Pacers. I give them a C. Like I feel like they haven't gotten better. They may have gotten a little bit worse, but it's not like enough to say like a D or something like that. They lost Doug McDermott to the Spurs, which I thought he was a big spark plug for them in the plan. He played very well for them. They did resign TJ McConnell, and they haven't really made any significant moves. I feel like they're like inching toward no man's land. You know, we're like they're good enough. To make the playoffs, but they're like a first round out, maybe like second round out, if lucky. I agree. I think their biggest addition has to be the head coach, Rick Carla, getting a championship coach. Yeah. Uh, they still have a lot of young talent. I like Karis LeVert, Brogdon, Sabonis, uh, Turner. It's a good team, but I also gave them a grade of C, so I'm going to have to agree there. I don't think they made any major changes to their team. I think they made a huge head coaching change, but other than that, I mean, they did re-sign TJ McConnell. Like, they haven't made any major additions that I would say that you could be like, okay, they made a huge jump, and maybe this team is that top four to five C. I still, I agree with you. I, I think their their highest ceiling is a first-round exit, but even yeah. making the playoffs in the East now is very difficult. Number eight, the Washington Wizards. I'm moving between a D-plus and a C-minus. Oh, okay. I got to uh, hear this. They traded Westbrook, which I guess I get. He wanted out, I assume. They got Kuzma. Montrez Harrell, KCP, and I don't really think this roster is, like, competitive. So I'm trying to figure out what they're doing with Beal. They're keeping him. I just don't know where they're headed because I don't think they're a playoff team at all. They have Beal. He's their best player. He's a scorer. But the rest of the team is, like, kind of lacking. Sure, they have some young talent. But I don't think it's, like, enough to get them where they want to go. And to be honest, I don't even know what that is. So I just give them a D plus to a C minus because I don't know where they're headed. Like, are they rebuilding? Are they trying to retool to compete? I have no idea. So it's really confusing. You're going to not like the answer that I give. I think we have a huge disagreement. I, respect, I respectfully disagree, yeah, but yeah. I gave them an A, the, the Washington Wizards. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain why. I think with Ru- Russell Westbrook going to L.A., now I'm not too sure. I believe Russell Westbrook wanted out. Am I correct? I think. I think so. I'm not too sure. But at the end of the day, Russ did get traded. I mean, going to L.A., playing home. Not too sure like how, how the trade happened. Uh, but then the, he's not there anymore. And I think for what they got back, I really like it. I think they got deeper. Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, went healthy. He he can play. Kyle Kuzma on now a team where he's expected to be, you know, maybe a second option, a third option. 
Yeah. I think he will elevate. KCP, I, I like this addition. You know, a guy who can shoot the basketball and defend. Montrez Harrell, when he was on the Clippers with Lou, man, he was sixth man of the year. He was dominating the league as a center. Like, if you look at their starting lineup, uh, this is my prediction of their starting li- lineup. It would be like Spencer Dinwiddie, Bradley Beal, KCP, Kyle Kuzma, and Montrez Harrell. There you go. That's my starting five. I like the depth. Uh, I understand maybe this is not enough to keep Beal there, but I feel like the Wizards actually, you know, did something that like I feel like that Portland didn't do. They they got a lot of talent and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they do. I, I do agree with you. Maybe playoffs is still who knows out the picture, but they're going to yeah. be really competitive. So that's why I give them a I like the additions they made, even though they're losing Russell Westbrook. They got a lot of good talent. I like this uh, deal for the Wizards. Number seven, the Boston Celtics. Hey. The only reason why they didn't get an A-plus is because I'm saving that for <laughs> another team down the line. But if I did, did everything they had to do. They got Schroeder. Crazy deal. Steel price. They re-signed Al Horford. They got Ennis Cantor, Josh Richardson. I feel like this is one of the few teams that actually is getting better. Yeah. Oh, yeah, technically. Made. Go te- oh, technically just to they, – they got Al Horford through a trade. Yeah, trade, trade. Yeah, yeah. technically. But trade, I, yeah. I got what you mean. Yeah, I feel like this is one of the few teams where every move they make, they're getting better. And I really see that this team can't compete. I don't know how far they'll get. That depends on other other situations, but I feel like they're really good and they're getting better. 100% agree. A. Why? They did lose Kemba. I thought Kemba was a great piece for them. Maybe it wasn't the best fit, right? Because they're trying to build Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So trading Kemba, now you have your two stars and, and you want to build through them. Adding, getting back Al Horford, great addition. He can play the backup center because I'm assuming Robert Williams will start. Getting Dennis Schroeder, I think he's coming off the bench too. A point guard who has a lot to prove. He feels like, you know, he's potentially been disrespected. You know, all the money that he lost. And if he wants to get that big payday, he's going to he's gonna have to ball out. And I expect him to do that. I like this addition for the price they got. Josh Richardson, he's a he's a great basketball player. Ennis Canner's back. Uh, they extended Marcus Smart's contract and Robert Williams. I like this team. It's an AI, and in my opinion, if I was going to make a prediction where in the East, where they're going to stand, I think they'll be the fourth best team in the East right behind Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Miami—they're—they're—they're they're, they're legit, and they have a—they have a good shot to make a deep run in the East. I'm still not going to favor them to win the title, but I think last year was a disappointment for them when they had—they had to play Brooklyn, yes. And I think everybody kind of was like almost 100% guaranteed that the Nets were going to beat them, and that's because yeah. the Celtics were a lower seat. So for them to, you know, from a disappointing season, because I know they got to the Eastern Conference the year before, so for them this is a disappointing season to get out in the first round. From that to, you know, the changes that they made, you know, getting Brad Steven now head of operation. Then I, who's their coach? I think it's uh, Yuduki. I don't know if I said his name right. I'm not trying to say either, but he was a he was a Spurs assistant. I believe he, he was on the Nets coaching staff as well. He's really good. So I, I apologize if I pronounced his name wrong, but I feel like he has a lot of potential as a coach. He's really going to be special. I like that coach is also a big plus too. And then all this talent they got, A, no question, they're legit and they can contend in the East. Number six, the Miami Heat. I also give them an A. At first, I wasn't too high on the Lowry move, but oh yeah, this is interesting because last time we spoke yeah, about yeah. this, you were you were you said they were the biggest losers in free agency. I had to change it to them, you know. They kept their stars, resigned Jimmy and Duncan Robinson. They got depth, added PJ Tucker, Marquis Morris, and resigned Oladipo for a minimum. Yeah, the reason I said they were the losers is because I don't think they will get like that far. But the moves are are a moves like they resigned their stars. They got talented depth, and I feel like they know what they want which is to be back in that spot again, contending for finals. Made some great points. I gave them an A+. Um, you know, adding Kyle Lowry was a big addition in my eyes. You know, looking at that, getting a guy who can be their third option. He's a pit bull on defense. Adding P.J. Tucker took them from the championship team, the Milwaukee Bucks, who just won the title. 
and then Victor Oladipo on a minimum. Resigning Duncan Robinson was a was a big plus. Marquis Morris is there. Udonis Haslam is back. Just having depth. Udonis Haslam like a locker room leader and a really respected uh, basketball player throughout the league. Extending Jimmy Butler's contract uh, and even you know to get Kyle Lowry. Yeah, they, they did lose Dragic, and I think he's a he's beloved of all Heat Nation. But I was, you know, a little shocked they didn't have to give up like a Duncan Robinson, for example. So they were able to keep Tyler and Duncan, which is pretty good. And also they have this young in the summer league. I forgot his name, but I think his first name starts with Omar. Yeah, he's good. He was balling in the summer league, and he's really good. So they got a lot of talent. In my opinion, they're going to be one of the best defensive teams in the league this season. And I think for them, you know, to get basically get swept against the Milwaukee Bucks. And personally, I felt like, oh, is it is it over? Is this heat run over? No, Pat Riley's still pulling strings. He said, I got Kyle Lowry come through, P.J. Tucker, Marquis Morris. And these all these three guys I just named, they fit the heat culture. Jimmy Butler's extended. You still have your young talent, uh, A-plus. And I believe the Heat are a legit uh, threat in the Eastern Conference. So let's move on uh, to the Western Conference. Number 10, the San Antonio Spurs. I'll give the Spurs an F. I think I know that's a harsh grade. And as a Former Damn. Spurs fan. Um, apologize to all them San Antonio Spurs fans out here. It's Kawhi tape out here. But anyways, I gave them a harsh grade because, yes, I like the fact that they're going young. But we, I think we were even discussing about this, like, you know, amongst each other, um, that we personally feel like they didn't really get any big names. They missed out on marketing. They missed out on John Collins. Thanks. They they got Doug McDermott. I like the Taddeus Young from that trade for DeRozan. If you're trying to build for the future, I know Taddeus and Alfred Gomina are great players, but I don't know if that fits what you're trying to do. Brim Forbes, who won a championship in Milwaukee, came back. He's a, he's a sharpshooter. Zach Collins, you know, a lot of times when I'm watching him in Portland, he has been injury prone. And then they drafted another point guard yep. in, in Josh Remo. And also, I feel like all these times I've been watching them draft players and I'm seeing like every year, it's a lot of, they're getting a lot of guards. I think they need it. Yes. And this is a great pickup, but I feel like you need for them. They already have a lot. They have Dejounte Murray. They have Derek White. Thanks. It's confusing what they're doing. They did lose Demar, which I agreed that they should go back young. But the Spurs, I mean, right now we believe that Dejounte Murray is a star on the rise. But I mean, right now they don't technically they don't have any all stars. Yeah. And the Spurs have been competitive for a very long time now. I don't believe they'll make the playoffs this year. That's just my opinion. They'll be competitive though. Under Pop, they'll always be competitive. But. The West is really difficult. So F is a harsh grade, but I mean, I don't really see they did anything to continue this rebuild of young talent. I agree. Taddeus Young, Alfred Camino, I think they're more like veterans. Yeah, I agree. Like, if, if you would have asked me this about, I'll say, two weeks ago, maybe two, three weeks ago, I would have said straight F. But now I'm, I'm probably saying D minus. I know not a big jump, but. A little I, generous. Yeah, yeah. It's just generous, you know. We drafted two guards, which once again, I was furious about because I wanted a big man. I did. Yeah, they definitely specifically Kai Jones, who literally went to Texas. I guess Pop wasn't feeling them. We let the Rosen go for peanuts, respectfully, because I don't want to disrespect the players. They are solid players. That's true. On expiring contracts, maybe he's targeting free agents in twenty twenty two offseason. I don't know. I don't know what it is. We signed the wrong Collins. We wanted John Collins, and we got Zach Collins. And I do like McDermott signing. I do like Brent Forbes. I like the shooting, but yeah, I just don't feel like it's it's getting us anywhere. You have to get marketing, somebody yeah. like that. That's what I thought they, if they got, or John Collins, which I understand John Collins resigned with Atlanta. They were building a great culture over there. Yeah. But you had a chance. Marketing, I mean, the rumors were that he doesn't want to play in Chicago anymore. We can easily acquire them, sign and trade easily. We also did get Jock Landale, who is an Australian international, who I think could be a promising piece. He's a big man. He can shoot. He can defend a little bit. He has oh, I think he's from the Olympics, right? Yeah, yeah. He played in the Olympics. He played well. And uh, I'm interested to see what he can offer us. But as for right now, I'd probably say D minus. I'm teetering toward F, but I'll, I'll say D minus. 
Our apologies, Spurs fans. Number nine, Golden State Warriors. I'd probably have to say a standard C. Like, I don't feel like they really did anything crazy. They did lose some pieces in um, Eric Pascal. They re-signed Iguodala. They lost Bazemore. I like what they did in the draft. They drafted uh, Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga. I feel like they're two good pieces for the future. And I feel like they're just trying to build depth right now for when Klay Thompson comes back. If he comes back at full strength, I feel like this team can't contend straight away. They were aiming to get depth in this offseason. They weren't trying to make any big splashes, you know? They also did lose uh, Kelly Uber, I believe. Yeah, Kelly Uber did go to Charlotte. He got, I think he got a big payday. Got good money. Um, I gave them a B plus. I think uh, extending Steph Curry was big for them, you know, for them to continue to build around him and have him. And if Klay Thompson's back fully healthy, the Warriors are legit. They have a real shot of winning the West. In my opinion, the Lakers are number one. Clippers being injured with Kawhi, I kind of have them out the list. And then you have Denver and, and Golden State. Those are, to me, my top three right now. Like, if Klay Thompson's fully healthy, they're legit. They can give any team in the league problems with the way the Splash Brothers can shoot. The draft picks that they got, uh, Moses Moody, hope I said his name right, and Jonathan Kaminga, great pickups for the future. And that's why I gave him B plus. I think uh, they got... The veterans, they got Steph, they got Draymond, they got, you know, Clay and more veterans, but Steph and Clay are their two all-stars. Draymond, you know, kind of makes the playmaking happen. And then getting these two young pieces is great. They also got Otto Porter Jr., Iguodala's back. So I, I like what they did. So give them a standard B+. Uh, number eight, the Memphis Grizzlies. I gave them a C plus. I don't think I'm better at all. I don't know why they traded... Valencia Unis for Steven Adams. I yeah, I feel like Jonas Valanciunas did good too. Yeah, I feel like it's a downgrade because I feel like Steven Adams offers you less than Valencia Unis offered you. Yeah, Valanciunas can shoot the threes yeah, at times. He spaced the floor. He's more dynamic as a player. I feel like Steven Adams is more of a run-of-the-mill center. They also got Jared Culver from uh, Minnesota in a deal, I believe, for Patrick Beverly, which I wasn't too impressed about. They signed Chris Dunn from Boston along with Carson Edwards. And I just haven't felt like this team has improved that much. I mean, maybe... I don't know. They have something in mind, something in their plans, but I just don't see at the moment. Yeah, I gave them a D plus. I think uh, I don't feel like if um, they had a you know great run, you know, beating Golden State in their building as a ninth seed to to get to the playoffs, winning in a play in situation, having to win two games, you know, even against San Antonio as well. Uh, they get Stephen Adams. I like Jonas Valanciunas. He was good. Stephen Adams. I don't know. I feel like it's an equal match. I don't really feel like you know that's something like oh you got yourself. A better big man. I feel like they're both pretty equal on talent. But yeah, Jonas Valanciunas who does uh, space the floor out. They did lose Justice Winslow. He went to the Clippers. They're trying to build, you know, continue to make the playoffs. And I don't know if they really made any addition that you could say, okay, they can make it even. They have like a definite chance. I think they're going to be in the same boat like they were last year, just fighting for the playoffs. But they're definitely yeah. a talented team. John Morant, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, Steven Adams. We're going to see how that works out. I think he's going to fit in fine. But I don't really think they made any major jumps. It's kind of like, it feels like it's like the same, really. Uh, number seven, the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, this is the one team I can say had A-plus, perfect offseason. Santa Reza, Dwight, Kent Bazemore, Kendrick Nunn, Carmelo Anthony, Malik Monk, re-signed Rondo, re-signed THD, and got Westbrook. And they got rid of all the dead wood. They got rid of everyone that they didn't want. And sign everyone they did want, and they proved the team. That's facts. Only thing, maybe they want to keep Caruso, though. Yeah. But besides that, perfect offseason. No flaws. A-plus, easily. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. If I could give a grade of A-plus, plus, 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 and continue on to infinity, that's what I would do. <laughs> because this is 
they, in my opinion, had the best offseason of all 30 teams. I mean, I feel like with the Nets having a, a big three, the Lakers had a big two with a lot of good talent around them. Maybe they didn't mesh as well as they thought it should, right? They get Russell Westbrook from a trade. They do lose Kuzma. I feel like Kuzma also and now has an opportunity to shine. Yeah. He'll be able to get the ball more in his hands, attack the basket more, you know. And getting Russell Westbrook, now you have a big three. Kendrick Nunn, he's a young star. He can play. Malik Monk, he's a sniper. Yeah. Carmelo Anthony, I feel like he can still play. Wayne Ellington, Dwight Howard, Trevor Ariza, Camp Bazemore. Let's talk about the go of messing up a team and making his team better. Rajon Rondo coming. <laughs> he went to Adrian Atlanta, Rondo. getting two years, $15 million. Then he goes to the Clippers. Makes them trade Lou Williams, who was a huge asset for the team. And then he comes back to the Lakers. So the Clippers had to lose Lou. And now Rondo's going back to the Lakers. So it's a power move by Rajon Rondo. Um, I saw that post somewhere. So it was definitely, um, it was interesting to see. But Rondo did. You know, they lost Lou Williams because of that, right? And Lou Williams is a great player. Yeah. DeAndre Jordan, I think, is a good backup. With now Marcus So being gone, and they kind of traded him. And it seems like Memphis kind of helped them out. Because they gave like a Marcus in, in a pick, and then I think they got cash consideration and draft rights to Wang Zellin. I hope I said his name right. People keep saying like, "Oh, this team is old, right? Like, oh, they're overage." I don't believe that. In my opinion, this is the championship team. They're gonna win the championship. I'm very confident about that. All these players have a chip on their shoulder. LeBron got a chip on their shoulder, saying, "Oh, you know, he's apparently washed again." Like they said the previous year before that, when Kawhi won the championship. What did LeBron do the next year? He won the title. Yeah. So people always saying that father times haven't caught up. LeBron is still going to be a beast. Now he got Russell Westbrook. I feel like now he can kind of play more off the ball a lot more because you got Russell Westbrook, one of the top playmakers. AD has a chip on his shoulder, you know, being called injury prone and stuff like that. And Richard Jefferson even said that he's a top five talent, but not a top five player. And it might be because of something like that. So he has a chip on his shoulder. But I like this team. They also re-signed Taylor Horn Tucker. So perfect offseason. I know there's a lot of veterans, but they're in the league for a long time for a reason. They continue to stay healthy, take care of their body. And in my opinion, the Lakers are going to win the championship. Number six, the Portland Trailblazers. F. Straight F. Sorry. Straight F. Like, no, no beer on the bush. Straight F. Like, this is horrible. Cody Zeller, Tony Snell, Ben McLemore, Larry Nance. That's not good enough. And once again, no disrespect to the players. They are great players. They're solid players in their roles. But I don't feel like this is competing. Like, these are moves to help them compete. They're not. These players aren't going to, like, convince Dame to... To be honest, I, I don't think Dame's leaving. I think Dame already made up his mind. And I think that he doesn't want to go anywhere. So if a move will be made, it will be a player being traded out, not him. But I don't feel like this team has gotten any better at all. It's still the same team, more or less. Like, these pieces don't really add anything special. I just feel like it will be another second-round exit for the Portland Trailblazers. I gave them a D plus. In the beginning, I would have gave them an F. But I think when they added Larry Nance, I did like that addition. I think he's a great addition for them. Uh, but adding Cody Zeller, Ben McLemore, Tony Snell, head coach Chauncey Billup, I think giving him an opportunity, you know, with Paul George. He played a lot of point guard, and I heard uh, that Chauncey Billup had a lot to do with it. Uh, re-signing Norman Powell, that was their kind of big major move. Uh, they did lose a lot of pieces. They lost Melo, who I thought was a big piece. They lost Canner, Derek Jones Jr. I know they fired the coach Terry Stotts. Uh, Zach Collins is also gone, so... I think Portland's job right now is trying to compete for a championship, trying to keep Dame happy. And with the team that they got, unfortunately, like, they're all very talented players in their roles, but this is not enough. They cannot win a championship with this team. It might sound brutal, but this is honesty. I mean, I don't, I see them making the playoffs and 
first round exit as their ceiling. I don't even see them making it the second round. I see them nice. being on the same boat they were the year when they play the Lakers. Then they play Denver, a team that didn't even have Jamal Murray. True. Only Joker, but they didn't get the job done. Maybe Portland should try to get Ben Simmons and trade CJ. I know it's tough, but it might it might be better. I think they should trade on CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons, if that's even on the table. Yeah. I saw like a post kind of, I think that they, they put Ben and Dame and I think Dame liked the post. So I know if, uh, Philly wants Dame, but if somehow you can trade like maybe a CJ and, and Robert Covington and put some picks, I was hearing about that. I think yeah. uh, somebody was saying, I believe it was Stephen A. Smith. I'm not too sure on that. If you, that can happen and, and do a trade like that's good. I think that's a good trade, but I do believe maybe you have to get rid of CJ. I think you bring the same team back. I don't know. Maybe you got to make a change. You got to try something new, I think. Yeah. But CJ is a phenomenal player. He's arguably an all-star. He's in the West, so that's why he usually doesn't make the all-star team because it's it's so it's it's difficult, right? Yeah, pick yeah. like twelve players in each conference. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna have to give them a D plus. I do like the Larry Nance edition, but let's be honest. I mean, I don't believe Portland's winning a championship. I think first round is their ceiling, and they might not even make the playoffs. I'm gonna say they make the playoffs because Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum can do that. They're that great. Yeah. But they got to play Warriors, Lakers, Clippers. Yep. Memphis is tough. I mean, the list goes on. So, yeah. On to the next topic. According to Sham Sharania, John Wall and the Houston Rockets have met and mutually agreed to work on finding a new home for the five-time All-Star. The plan is for Wall to be present at training camp, but not to play in any Rockets games this season. What are your reactions to this? Um. So my reaction to this is I think this is a mutual understanding between both teams. I think, you know, for Houston, who just if I'm correct, they drafted Jalen Green, right? Yeah. And they also have Kevin Porter Jr. You know, John Wall, you know, it doesn't seem like it fits their future. They're they're trying to rebuild. And for John Wall, it could be frustrating. He probably wants to compete for a championship, right? So I think this is, to me, this is good for both sides. And John Wall's always been a great teammate. He's still going to be in the Rockets arena training and helping. I believe I even heard rumors he's still helping the team around. So he's a great locker room leader and great person in general. So I think this is a great move for both franchises. And I think they have to look for uh, maybe for John Wall to potentially through trade. I know it might be difficult due to John Wall's contract yeah. um, because, you know, he didn't play for two seasons and his value has been a, you know, it's been a lot less now. But, you know, his season, he just averaged 20.6 points and, you know, he was 3.2 rebounds, 6.9 assists. He can still play, but his, yeah. I understand with the trade, it could be a little tough. I agree. I feel like it's a it's a nice gesture by the Rockets franchise. I feel like John Wall can still play elite basketball at a high level. And I feel like it, it just makes sense. Like, they're not on the same page. He probably wants to play for a contender. They're not that yet. They're rebuilding. So I don't think they want to waste the rest of his career playing for this team. So I think it makes sense. And I respect the Rockets organization for doing so. Which team do you think would be the ideal fit for John Wall? Personally, um, I think he fits good in Philly. I think if, let's say, for example, if Philly traded Ben Simmons and for C.J. McCollum, C.J. McCollum is the shooting guard, and you get John Wall, let's say, through a buyout. I think him going to Philly, pairing up with C.J. and Embiid and, and Tobias Harris, I think it's a good fit for him. I think a place that he wants to go is where he can still start, and I think Philly would be one of them, especially if uh, Ben Simmons is you know, elsewhere. Also, I think the Pelicans could be a good fit. Maybe Devontae Graham could go back to being six man. He's a he's an exceptional player. No disrespect whatsoever. But John Wall could help. You know, John Wall, he's an elite passer. He's gonna make Zion's job a lot easier. And I'm also a big fan of for this. I think the Clippers. I mean, if I know yeah, Reggie I Jackson's there, Reggie Jackson's been balling. But I mean, John Wall, Kawhi, and PG, 
that's a championship team. He can still play. I like this. Reggie Jackson's still there. He'll be special. I think he'll be a great fit there. So those are my three teams. I agree. Uh, they have the same three teams written down. Pelicans, Clippers, 76ers. I feel like yeah. he'll, he'll slide in perfectly on all those three teams. They both need a guard, a passing guard, that is. Yeah, I think the Clippers definitely need that a lot. Like, like the Clippers, Rondo was great, but he didn't get a lot of playing time. Reggie Jackson is great, too. Yeah. He had a lot of assists, but he's more of like, he was scoring a lot. Yeah. John Wall will make Kawhi and PG's job a lot easier. Yeah, I feel like he's, he's a pass-first guard. Yeah. I feel like that's like kind of dying in the league now, but yeah. I feel like he'll, he'll fit in with a lot of teams. Like, he's a solid player, plays hard on both ends, and I feel like he can fit on any one of those three teams, like, perfectly. And I still feel like he's a starting point guard in this league. Yeah. The, especially the season he had with the Rockets. He had a great season. Do you think he'd be traded or bought out? I'm going to say I feel like I've heard rumors that Miami, the Pistons, and and the Clippers have like kind of put out offers there. But personally, I mean, I don't know. Miami maybe wants him as a backup or something if this report was true or rumor. Um, Pistons, I don't – I mean, they have Cade Cummings, maybe like yeah. a veteran, kind of like a person who can mentor him. But I feel like – Personally, I think he's going to be bought out. I think personally it's because of the contract and the notion that's around him. You know, he he didn't play for a long time and he is owed a lot of money. I believe it's two years, 91 left, if I'm correct. In my opinion, I think he'll be bought out. Do you have any teams in mind that might trade for him? I think personally there's a team that there's one team if that really should go for him. I think the Clippers should pull the trigger. I think the Clippers, you know, I know they got Eric Bledsoe and they made some acquisitions like that. But I think if you get John Wall, you could keep Reggie. Kawhi comes back. John Wall's averaging about 20 points, about seven assists. And you have Paul George, who is playing at a superstar level with Kawhi Leonard playing at a superstar level, making the assumption Kawhi comes back healthy because I assume he will. He'll be the same Kawhi Leonard that we all know he is. They have a real shot. Now now we're talking about a a three-headed monster team, three stars. John Wall is a five-time all-star. And I think the Clippers are the team that really should pull the trigger. I think the Clippers should... Try to see if they can make a trade offer. But at best, I think for the Clippers, it would be a, a buyout. That would be best case scenario. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so let's move on to topic number three. Both Ronaldo and Messi have debuted with their new clubs, Manchester United and PSG, respectfully. Ronaldo has scored four goals in his first four games with Manchester United, while Messi has yet to score in three games for PSG. What is your reactions to this? And why do you think Messi has struggled while Ronaldo has done so well? Well, I mean, I'm going to try to be unbiased as possible in this. And I just think that, you know, Ronaldo came in. We all knew that Ronaldo was going to start. They needed a striker. He fits the role. And he's a leader in that team. The players know that. They feed him. And he gets his goals. With Messi, on the other hand, I feel like he's playing in a... I'm not going to say... Well, it's obviously a better team. They have way more talent than United. You have Neymar, Mbappe, Sergio Ramos. Like, these elite top players in the world. And I feel like there's just more egos from the handle, you know? And I feel like he's maybe not getting the same passes, the same touches that he was getting in Barcelona. Also, Ronaldo has played in the Premier League before, so he knows the pace of the game, he knows how it feels, and he's used to the style of play. Messi has only played in Spain for his entire career, so maybe he's not used to the you know the way the French league is. I feel like he'll he'll get his goal, but I just don't know when it will be. You know, I feel like he has to get to the pace, and he's in the in the games he played, he hasn't even started. He's came off the bench for most of them. So I just feel like it's a tough spot he's in. Well, he came off the bench? Yeah. That's yeah. shocking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they I have actually, a lot of talent. So, I mean, I guess they went to like... I'm sorry, into I mean, I, I know Messi went to PSG uh, trying to keep up with the games, but I'm shocked to hear they came off the yeah, bench. Yeah, surprising. That's, ve- that's yeah, very surprising with the people have the discussion. He's the best soccer player in the world with him and Ronaldo yeah. in that discussion. But do you think it's, you know, 
there's a lot of star power. Do you think it's possible, just like looking from the outside in, do you feel like it's possible maybe that, like, because they have all this talent like Neymar and Mbappe and him and Messi included, like, they're all trying to outshine each other? Do you think that's possible? Yes, if I'm being honest. I, I don't think it's more so between Messi and Neymar, but... It could be it could be a case because you know how Mbappe has that ego. He was arguing with his French teammate Giroud in the World Cup over goals, which I thought was surprising. But you know, stuff like that happens. I believe there was even a penalty that Messi wanted to take, but Neymar took it instead. Like Neymar said, "No, I'm taking it," which which I thought was kind of like, I mean, I guess Neymar is the senior player at the club. He's been there longer, but I feel like in that situation, you you gotta give it to Messi. Like like just let him get his first goal out the yeah, way. Let him fit in. At yeah, least. I, I feel get... like I feel like maybe he didn't want his first goal to be a penalty. You know. I, People call him Pessy, you know, because he only scores penalties, which I don't think. But, you know, it's just one of those things that people say. And I feel like he maybe wanted his first goal to be something special, you know, memorable. But that's just my thought on it. Agree. Next topic, WWE and AEW. What were some of the best moments and worst moments of SmackDown on September 10th and the one on September 17th of this year? So the best moment, September 10th, 2021, SmackDown in MSG, Madison Square Garden. I got to say first, I, this is not even wrestling related. Trey Young came to MSG. Sami Zayn introduced him. He came out. It's it's like crazy. I'm thinking, I'm like, man, that's like, it's kind of actually smart for them to do because yeah. he got booed straight up. And then also, wow. and then they had that, the tag team match. And then Trey Young, like he, he I think he was like kind of touching Rey Mysterio, kind of like hit him a little bit. I believe like kind of like grabbing him and like, pushing him on the rope or something like that. And then he got kind of ejected. They just like, you got to leave. So it was like, and making like the, the New York fans happy. So it was like, that was definitely cool. I really did like that segment. It was really cool to bring Trey Young there. And, you know, he's a villain here. Um, and then also Edge versus Seth Rollins, part two, MSG. Edge, you know, it's been a while since he's fought in MSG. I think it's been many, many years since he had that triple neck fusion surgery that forced him to retire from wrestling. And he thought his career was over. He came back. The story he had is, is really beautiful and inspiring. Having Edge versus Seth Rollins part two, the match was so great. It was like I was on the edge of my seat watching. You see Seth Rollins first hits a move. I think it's called the, the Glam Slam, which is Edge's wife, Beth Phoenix's move. He did it first time. I think it was, form came a little sloppy, so he did it again. Kicked out an Edge with a pedigree, you know, a Triple H move. Um, then Edge hits a spear, and then Seth Rollins, he's a heel persona. He's doing a great job. The ref didn't look. He gave a low blow to Edge. Kind of kicked him in the face, then a curve stomp, and that one with the stories like you know if Seth Rollins, you know hits the curve stomp on Edge's neck, which he did, is like really bad because you know Edge did have uh, triple fusion neck surgery. The storyline was very great, and it, like now he's on a stretcher, he's gone, and I heard now rumors Edge won't be there for some time, and he's fine. You know, it's just I believe it's on the storyline base, but it's like a really good build, and it's making me excited that we got to see Seth Rollins versus Edge Part Three. This feud is living up to the hype, and it was the highlight of MSG. I gotta say, it was my favorite moment. All all moments were great. On SmackDown's always been the A show, but that was one of the the best moments. I don't even know like worst moments. I think the worst moment is that. Like, it wasn't even, like, actually this moment happened. It was supposed to be that Liv Morgan and Tony Storm was supposed to be versus Lena Vega and Carmella. But the match didn't happen due to time constraints. So I think not having, you know, your young talent there is definitely tough. I think they definitely should have had them there. So I think that would be one of, like, the worst moments, not having that match. You know, also with Lena Vega, you know, I heard, like, her father did pass away on the 9-11. So it was, like, kind of, like, it was one day before, you know, that tribute for her. Definitely a sad moment in her heart. And she, I think she deserved that match and have that moment. 
um, with, you know, 9-11 being like a very tough time for everybody. Still remember to this day, you know, all the yeah, yeah. The, the bad things that's happened and how our country's trying to move on. It's hard to move on, you know. It was a devastating time in our in our history. Uh, and also, also another good moment, Brock Lesnar. He came with Roman Reigns. They kind of like continuing their feud and now they're going to have a match at Crown Jewel, which I'm very excited about. And him, you know, him and Paul Heyman had this like, he's like, why didn't you tell Roman I'm coming to SummerSlam? He said something like that. And then the, the bloodline leaves and then Paul Heyman does this like kind of like the thing he always does with Brock Lesnar, like, oh, I was the advocate and it was so cool. Nice segment to see. And then Brock Lesnar about to hit F5 and Roman comes and that was a great start to MSG. So that was my favorite moments and the worst moments for SmackDown September 10th. So Smack, SmackDown September 17th, 2021. The, I think the best moment was seeing Big E, you know, now him being the champion. It was really cool to see him uh, with that championship and kind of clashing with Roman Reigns. is really cool. Maybe like kind of teasing a survival series match between SmackDown and Raw, which was very cool. And also having uh, Becky and Bianca, their, their kind of segment where Bianca's home in Nashville. Um, it was really cool to see. And then and, and Kane, who's the mayor, gave her the keys to the city. And then Becky Lynch comes and the WWE trying to push her as the heel. She's going to get booed because that is Bianca's hometown. And then the worst thing is Becky Lynch, like she kind of gave like the, I think it's called the manhandle slam move. And in her hometown, Bianca gets attacked and she's on the ground and, and Becky Lynch is standing tall for people to you know kind of boo Becky and building Bianca as the face. So I don't really have any worse moments for SmackDown. I think it's hard to find. They're, they've always been doing a great job. So what were the best and worst moments you think of the AEW Rampage on September 10th and September 17th? AW Rampage, September 10, 2021. I think that one, I think the best moment was when seeing Andrade versus Pac. I think it was a great match seeing the young talent kind of steal the show. It was a really great match. It was fun to watch. The ending was, I think, Chavo kind of interfered in the match. Andrade won, and he didn't want to win like that, so he attacked Chavo at the end and maybe teasing that Ric Flair was going to come to be a new manager. It would be really cool because Ric Flair is like arguably one of the best WWE superstars. He's won 16 titles, and him going to AEW, that'd be crazy to see. But it's rumored that it might happen. I don't really see any bad moments on AEW Ramp. I think they're doing a great job just giving their young talent a chance. And they're, they're really fun to watch. AEW Rampage, September 17, 2021. Um, I think one of my favorite moments was Ruby So and Dr. Britt Breaker's promo, man. The, they were throwing, kind of roasting each other, throwing shots back and forth. You know, Dr. Britt Baker, she was like, why you call yourself a runaway? You you got fired. And that's a crazy shot because she got fired from WWE. So bringing that program into AEW. And she's like, oh, that's like the best thing that ever happened to me. And it was a really great promo. It was really fun to watch. So that was the, I think the best moment. And I don't have a worse moment. I just, it was, the show was great. So what were the best and worst moments you think of WWE Raw for September 13th and 20th? So September 13th Raw. Biggie winning the championship because I, I always, you know, we've always been discussing how I feel like Raw is lacking. You know, I feel like they're not putting too much into their, oh, they have great talent, but they're just like the storylines. It's not just being built right, the creative yeah. part. And then you see this big chain where Biggie, you know, the, the the main event, Randy Orton versus Bobby Lashley. I'm a big Randy Orton fan, so I'm rooting for him. I, Randy Orton hits the RK. I'm like, oh my God, he's about to win. 15-time world champion. Here we go. And then... MVP kind of pulls Bobby out and then Randy Orton gets kind of upset. He RKO's MVP outside the ring. Then Bobby spears him. Bobby wins. Then Bobby Lashley attacks Matt Riddle and Randy Orton after the match. He gets injured, like trying to basically they're selling it because, you know, because um, I heard he's fine. Hearing the rumors, he's fine. So that's good. But he did a yeah. great job selling it. 
Um, and then uh, Big E comes to cash in the money in the bank. He wins the championship. This is great because Big E is actually part of SmackDown. Now he's going to be part of Raw. And I think it's great for Raw to have this, like, actual face of the WWE and the fans are behind him. They wanted Big E to win this championship. This is a great move for Raw to elevate them. Like, Raw is great. They have talent. Just finding, like, building better storylines. Giving a championship to Big E is, is great. Bobby Lashley did a great job in his championship reign. The worst moment, watching Dewdrop versus Eva Marie. Like, the match, like, they're not really built right. And it was, like, really small and Dewdrop run. Like, it, the matches ended really quickly. So, like, yeah, that was probably the worst moment, in my opinion. Like, exceptional wrestlers, but it's just not being built right. Yeah. And in September 20th, the 2021 show, oh, this show for Raw, this was one of the best Raw shows I have seen. There's all Raw shows are great. You know, it's about the storyline being built. But this one was, like, to me, in my opinion this was the best i've seen in some time roman reigns from smackdown he came to raw we got to see the bloodline versus the new day in the beginning that was a really good match and then the main event roman reigns the head of the table the tribal chief versus biggie the wwe championship versus bobby lashley you got the universal championship the wwe championship and bobby lashley what a great match. A triple threat, man. And the head of the table wins. Roman Reigns wins. It was really fun. Roman Reigns comes and basically takes over Raw. And, and I saw, you know, reports that Raw's viewership increased 7% with Roman Reigns' appearances. So it was great to bring him somebody from SmackDown there. It was a really good Raw show. Overall, it was, I think, a really good show. Having Randy Orton versus AJ Styles, that was also a nice moment. But the worst moment also, again, they had the Do Drop versus Eva Marie match again. It was a really fast match. Match ended, Do Drop won. And Hopefully, like, they're great wrestlers, but hopefully they move on from this feud and give them something new. So continuing with the theme, what do you think were the best and worst moments of the AEW matches on September 15th and the AEW Grand Slam on September 22nd? So I think AEW Dynamite, September 15, 2021, one of the best moments seeing Adam's Cole debut versus Frankie. Uh, Catarazon, I hope I said his name right. Uh, you know, Adam Cole now, you know, being a, a, one of the big stars who came from the WWE to AEW, seeing his debut match is fun just to see, you know, a, a new star in the company and his debut match. It was a really good match. So I think that was a really uh, big moment. And then another big moment, I think this was my favorite moment of the night. The show in general was all, it was really great. But my favorite moment has to be Daniel Bryan challenges Kenny Omega. This dream match when, like, when you're like, you see WWE, AEW superstars, like, you're like, oh, if this company came together, what is like a dream match? And now that Daniel Bryan's in AEW, Brian versus Omega was a dream match. And he comes and challenges for it. And, and it was just a great to, to for that match to see them both in the ring at the same time, like in their promos. And it was fun. I don't really have any uh, worse moments for AEW Dynamite on September 15, 2021. I think the mm -hmm. show was just great overall. And then AEW Grand Slam, September 20, 2021. This had to be the best show ever. I think it was in New York City. They had, I think this was one of the biggest non-WWE events. Over 20,000 people were in that arena. The show was like 10 out of 10. I could give it a 20, 100 out of 10. Like it was just the best show ever. Wow. You got Daniel Bryan versus Kenny Omega, the dream match. It ended in a draw. You got MJF versus Pillman Jr. Ruby Soho versus Dr. Britt Baker. I mean, just the matches go on and on. It was so good. CM Punk came too, had a little promo. It was really fun show was one of the best i think the best AEW show and it's gonna continue to get better like they're gonna continue they're already doing great but they're gonna continue to elevate and elevate, and elevate they got so much talent just gotta keep on showing it to us and we got to see all the great match i'm really excited it was the best show so let's move on to topic number five espn sources reports 
Philadelphia 76ers all-star Ben Simmons will not report for opening of training camp next week and intends to never play another game for the franchise. Simmons hasn't spoken to the team since a late August meeting when he communicated this message to the Sixers official. This was reported by Adrian Wojnarowski. What are your reactions to this, Joshua? Not surprised. I did say that I didn't think he'd ever play for them again. And that's pretty much it. Like, he's been so disrespectful to the organization. I don't feel like he'll ever, like, get respect from these fans again. Burn the bridge. No, I, th- I think it's over. Not surprised at all. Yeah, I'm going to, my reaction to this is, you know, we, we talked about this our previous episode, right? And I, and no disrespect to Ben Simmons, but this is just, I feel like this is kind of childish. Do you agree? Yeah. I, I feel like because, you know, he's acting, I was like, you'll like take me out. First of all, he has a four-year deal, about like 170 million, if I'm, I believe that's his contract. They don't have to trade him. Like, they don't. They have yeah. the power. If my opinion, Philly, don't trade him. Hold it out. Okay, he's never going to show up. He's going to get fined. I think, I believe this is, the situation in Philly is going to get a lot worse. I think Adam Silver will intervene because I was hearing rumors that might happen. Yeah, I think he should intervene, to be honest. Because Simmons doesn't want to report to training camp. He's going to have to report. I heard the rumor that he probably going to get half of his money before, like, November or around November. I'm not too sure. Philly probably feels like they don't want to pay him and they shouldn't have to either, right? If he's not showing up, why we got to pay you? Yeah. So this is just outrageous the way he's acting out, you know, just show up to training camp. I expect him to be traded, but you just got to show up. But at the end of the day, yes, I understand they they threw him under the bus, but like, what are they supposed to say good things about you? Weren't you shooting 34% from the free throw line? Weren't you dropping nine points and didn't want to go to the free throw line so you gave a pass to Tybo. Like, I don't understand. People were frustrated. Even Ben Simmons said that we can win a championship. You got bounced in the second round. Is the world supposed to just say good things about you? I understand he's a phenomenal player. He can do a lot of things. There's some things he lacked, but he can do a lot of things. If he gets his full potential, he could be a superstar in this league. But I feel like this is just outrageous for him to say. And I do expect him to get traded um, hopefully soon, but Philly shouldn't rush this. Take your time. I understand things are going to get pretty bad and ugly, but like ugly in the sense where it's just going to get bad for the franchise. Him is bad relationship mix, you know? Yeah. And like I said, no disrespect to Ben Simmons, you know, but this is, I feel like he's just acting childish and he needs to be like, he has to show up. Just do your job. You know, you're getting paid. Yeah. Just show up. At least go to training camp. At least go to training camp. I expect this relationship to be over soon. I think because of this, he might get traded a lot earlier, but if I'm Philly, you have the power, you have the keys to do what you want. Not, not the keys, but like you basically have, it's their call, right? You're under contract for years. Not, I mean, yeah, it's hard and his value is getting lower. If you go and play, maybe your value gets higher and, and now you're out. So let's see what Philly does. Philly will do what's best for them. They don't have to trade him, you know, even though he's, I know he's demanding out. So let's see how the situation happens. This is definitely very upsetting, you know, my reaction. I'm just, I'm upset, you know. So, you know, that concludes episode five of the straight sports podcast you can follow us on instagram at straight sports podcast a preview for episode six we will talk about part three of our free agency grading from a through f uh one through fifth seat from both conferences east and west um and thank you for supporting us and uh enjoy our episode so thank you yeah thank you